You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammy from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. Hello and welcome back to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is episode number 13 and you're here with me, Christy, talking about all things bloating, pain, periods and poos. So some of these words probably make you giggle and make you laugh. I don't think um, poos and farts and periods and anything like that ever gets any less funny, no matter how old we are. Um, but today we're going to be talking about it because many of us wonder why is it that my poos change when I have my period? Um, and actually this question came up recently, uh, on Instagram, one of my followers reached out to me and she asked this exact question, you know, why is it that, um, as I approach my period, I seem to get changes in my bowels and for her, she experiences constipation. Um, A lot of my other clients will tell me they experience diarrhea. So I think this is a really great topic to be talking about. Some of you out there are probably agreeing and nodding. Yes, yes, I know what you're talking about and others maybe not. And that's totally fine. Not all of us get these changes around that time of the month. Um, We're all different and that's what makes us all very interesting. Um, But we do know that about 30% of women without IBS do report changes in their gut symptoms. So IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Um, So these um, symptom changes are things like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, pain, nausea, um, even like fluid retention as well. Um, And about 40% of women who do have IBS report that their gut symptoms are influenced by their menstrual cycle. So there's definitely something going on here. So today I'm going to be talking about what the relationship between our gut and our hormones is, what the interplay between stress and hormones and the brain are so that we can understand how our gut gut symptoms are changing at that time of the month, go diving into the gut microbiome and how excess estrogen levels can impact um, our, our gut symptoms, a brief look into endometriosis and some of the red flags to look out for if you're concerned that you might have this condition. And then I'm definitely going to be giving you some tips on how to improve your bowels around that time of the month. So let's first up start off with a little science lesson on the female menstrual cycle. So estrogen and progesterone are the two primary female sex hormones. And during a normal menstrual cycle, they take turns driving that process of maturing and releasing an egg. And they also prepare the uterus for possible pregnancy. So we know that estrogen rises in the first half of the cycle, peaks at ovulation, then it falls in the second half as progesterone rises. Progesterone is then released by the rupture of that egg follicle during ovulation. And testosterone is surging around this time as well of ovulation. Um, So this is why you might have a bit more of a sex drive around that time. Um, And it's, I guess, mother's nature's way of saying, you know, let's have sex so we can make babies. Um, But 
Most of us don't fall pregnant every menstrual cycle, of course. So when there's no pregnancy, we have our period and then the whole cycle begins again. So estrogen and progesterone drop right before our menstrual period begins. And that nosedive can trigger a change in gut movement, pain, sensitivity, and mood. And this is because these sex hormones, so estrogen and progesterone, they can modulate the way that our gut and our brain communicate with each other. And that's known as the gut-brain axis. So this is a two-way communication via um, a, a nerve called the vagus nerve, which is part of the enteric and autonomous nervous system, which not only manages our digestion, but also our breathing as well. So this communication, we all probably know as um, that, you know, that gut feeling, that butterfly sensation, um, you can come to think of your gut as like the second brain. Um, and studies have shown that someone who has an anxious mind um, tends to have a faster gut and someone who might have a lower mood um, notices that they have a slower bowel. Stress is another thing that can impact our gut and our hormones. So stress triggers um, the elevation of a hormone called cortisol and cortisol can interrupt the communication between sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone and testosterone with the brain, the ovaries and our adrenal glands. So some of you might notice that in a, a time of very, very high stress, you might skip your period um, and others might notice that they become more constipated or they have diarrhea when they're stressed. So if this is you, um, one of my favorite things to recommend is learning how to do diaphragmatic breathing. And this is something we covered in episode five of season one. So if you haven't seen that episode, go back and have a listen. Um, other really good strategies, yoga and meditation, Tai Chi, um, something called gut directed hypnotherapy which is um, a hypnotherapy that would be delivered by a psychologist who is trained in gut and mind connection um, or cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, again, um, seeing a psychologist, this is one of the, the key tools that they will use to help um, with an overactive gut and mind connection. And then I'm going to talk about something called prostaglandins. So prostaglandins are not hormones. Um, they're compounds that have, I guess, hormone-like effects. Um, they are released um, right at the end of our luteal phase, just before we go into the menstrual phase, so that's our period. Um, and they signal to the uterus to start contracting. And that's going to start our period so that we can um, see the endometrial tissue that lines our uterus leaving the body. Oh, that's our period. So they cause those period cramping sensations um, and they're probably best known for causing the uterine contractions during labor when you are giving birth to a baby. Um, but frustratingly, during the menstrual cycle, these prostaglandins can increase um, the way that the bowel bloats, it can cause pain, it can change our bowel function. And so we get this alternating either diarrhea or constipation, depending on how they're affecting our bowel. So another key system that's at play with the gut, um, the mind and the hormone connection is our gut microbiome. So the gut microbiome is the term that's used to describe the life, the community, the forest, I guess, of bacteria that lives in our large intestine. 
Um, we love these guys. They um, are involved in digesting fiber for us. They make these things called short chain fatty acids and they go on to modulate things like reduced in inflammation. Um, they help us with our immune function. Um, they can also help with insulin resistance. So they support our um, balancing blood sugar levels. Um, and they also help us to metabolize nutrients and therefore we can absorb more nutrition from our diet. And so all of these aspects of the gut and the gut microbiome are essential for balancing our hormones. Um, and some of the symptoms that you might notice if your hormones are out of balance would be things like acne, bloating, premenstrual syndrome, heavy or irregular periods, um, hair loss, mood swings, fatigue, or having a low libido or low sex drive. Um, so this is something that can tell us that your gut, your gut is not happy. And you might also then notice that you get the bloating, the pains, um, constipation and diarrhea as well. Something that um, is fairly well known um, is that excess amounts of estrogen in the body can um, cause or put you at a higher risk of developing a condition called endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and I'll talk a bit about excess estrogen first, and then we'll dive a bit more into um, endo. Uh, and I'll talk about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome in a later um, episode. But so estrogen, which is one of our sex hormones, it's made in the ovaries and the fat cells around the body. And then it needs to be eliminated via the gut, firstly eliminated by the liver and then ultimately via the gut. And the bacteria in our gut, which is known as the estrobolome, they metabolize and eliminate estrogen from our body. If they aren't there or they're not in the right numbers or that's something that we would call like a gut dysbiosis, we're going to put ourselves um, in a situation where the estrogen cannot be eliminated properly from the body. It therefore gets reabsorbed through the gut and increases some um, circulating estrogen levels. So this is going to be a problem and put our hormones out of balance, essentially. Um, excess estrogen also can cause things like fluid retention, bloating, slower digestion, um, and of course can um, worsen any kind of estrogen mediated condition like endo and PCOS. One of the best ways that we can improve um, our gut microbiome and improve the diversity and number of bacteria living in there would be to increase the amount of plant foods that we eat every day. So most of us are kind of just eating um, very processed foods or we're not eating a wide variety of foods. And the aim of the game is to get to 30 different plant foods per week because the more plant foods, the more types of bacteria that will live in our gut because gut bacteria does love to eat fiber. Uh, and I did a post on Instagram not too long ago about this. Some really simple strategies that you can be doing is instead of choosing the single variety of a food, for example, almonds, which comes from nuts, um, choose the mixed variety. So go for your mixed nuts. Um, if you're looking at uh, making a salad, instead of just using spinach, go and grab those mixed leaf varieties. Um, and the other example I think I had in that post was uh, rather than just doing blueberries, which yes, they're amazing nutrition on their own, 
but they're even better if you can get a mixed berry, uh, for example, like frozen mixed berries. Um, then you're going to get all the different fibers and nutrients from you know blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, um, and get more of that um, variety into your diet. Okay, so now that we've talked about how female sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone, as well as how prostaglandins and the gut microbiome impact changes in gut functions such as bloating and pooping, I want to briefly touch on a condition that often gets talked about when it comes to periods and poos, and it's called endometriosis. Now, for those that haven't heard of endometriosis, it's an estrogen-dependent inflammatory disease. So it's a, what happens is that each endometrium-like tissue is found outside the uterus. Our endometrium is meant to be inside our uterus. That's the lining, the thickening, the tissue that grows in the uterus throughout the menstrual cycle, ready for an egg to implant in it, um, and then leaves our body during the menstrual phase. So that it's our period, essentially. Um, so it's meant to be inside the uterus, but in endometriosis, we find it in all sorts of parts of the body. So we find it on the ovaries, um, on the bowel, in the um, fallopian tubes, on the peritoneum, um, and it can cause a lot of pain. It can cause cysts and adhesions, um, and it's a very unpleasant condition to have. So whilst changes in your bowels at that time of month and some cramping can be normal, it's certainly not normal to have pain and symptoms that affect your day-to-day -day life to the point where you can't go about your day, um, you know, like going to work or going to school. Um, so it's so important to talk to your doctor if this is affecting you. Um, in my clinic, I often get women coming in, um, they describe, you know, irritable bowel-like symptoms, like we've talked about today, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, and pain. Um, and where the red flags are, where I might think that someone actually has endometriosis would be if they describe that they also have very heavy periods or irregular periods. Um, they experience pain during sex. Um, they have pain that refers around to their back and their pelvis. Um, the pain around their um, menstrual cycle and the, and the bowel symptoms that they experience, so the constipation and the diarrhea, is significantly worse. Like it's really, really bad. Um, and often they might have a primary family member who has endometriosis um, or they've come to see me because they're having trouble falling pregnant. Um, so all of these symptoms put together is a red flag that it could be endometriosis. So if, um, if this sounds like you, talk to your doctor, ask for a referral to see a gynecologist because they are the specialists in this area who are going to be able to identify this much better than any other doctor can. So let's now talk about what we're going to do nutritionally to help you around that time of the month if you do get changes in your bowels, bloating, pain, things like that. So my first recommendation is that we need to look at those first line therapy strategies around gut health. And they include things like looking at your alcohol intake. So we know a high alcohol in intake is a gut irritant and it can definitely cause diarrhea. If anyone in Australia knows this, you know, the after grog bog is a pretty funny line that we tend to say. Um, things like high fat foods, cream, cheese, fried foods, takeaway foods, 
these are kind of the foods that we eat when we drink alcohol. So it's very much a, um, a terrible concoction if you've got um, a sensitive tummy around that time of the month. Watch out for caffeine. Another gut irritant, it speeds up the gut, uh, raises blood pressure, raises your heart rate. So if you are prone to anxiety, that's definitely going to be something to limit. I will say, however, if you do find that you're more constipated around that time of the month, why not try increasing your caffeine intake? I wouldn't recommend definitely going, you know, well into like the three, four, five cups of coffee. But if one or two a day helps you to keep regular during that time, um, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Other things like um, exercise, which helps to manage moods, but keep your bowel moving because that muscular contraction will keep your bowel moving regularly. Um, so it's recommended to be doing at a minimum 30 minutes for at least five days of the week um, or perhaps 60 minutes on three days of the week. So whatever's going to fit best with your schedule. You might want to do more things like yoga and Tai Chi styles of exercise if you do find that your mood's quite low during this time um, or you don't quite have the same energy levels that you normally would during other times of your cycle. And I cannot stress this enough, but you know, hardly anybody drinks enough water these days. I do see it all the time with my clients um, that we're not even getting close to that two liters of water a day. And that is, you know, very generic. Most people actually need more than two liters. Um, you can work this out by timesing your weight by 35 mils per kilo. So, you know, if you're a, let's just use an easy example, a hundred kilo person needs 3.5 liters of water per day. Now, that's just some of the first line therapy strategies. There are more, but I do want to move on to talking about those prostaglandins that I mentioned before. So if we want to be able to reduce the pro-inflammatory prostaglandins, which are the ones that contract the uterus, contract the bowel, cause those annoying cramping pains, we want to decrease our saturated fat intake because saturated fat is going to increase the production of pro-inflammatory prostaglandins. So let's focus on limiting butter, cream, pastries, fatty meats, coconut oil, palm oil, those types of foods, um, I would definitely be limiting. And I'd probably, in my opinion, be limiting them all the time, not just around the time of your cycle, um, because these foods don't have a lot of great nutrition in them. Then we want to increase the anti-inflammatory prostaglandins, the ones that aren't going to cause so much pain for us. And this would be things like your omega-3 fatty acids. So oily fish is your best source. Think of things like salmon, mackerel, sardines, ocean trout. Um, you can get a different type of omega-3 called ALA from, um, from plant sources. So flaxseed, walnut, and chia seeds are good examples. Unfortunately, we don't get the same benefits of the um, plant-based omega-3 as we do from the marine sources. Um, but if you're a vegan, you know, this is really going to be something I would definitely recommend that you increase in your diet. We also want to further decrease inflammation in the body because that's just going to help us reduce that cramping and that pain um, by having more vegetables and fruits in our diet. You know, I think in Australia, the stat is that only about 7% of our country eats five serves of vegetables a day and only 50% eat two serves of fruit. So most of us, even if you think that you've got pretty good fruit and veg intake, 
you could probably increase it more. Um, so five serves of veg is five handfuls of veg a day and two serves of fruit would be sort of like the portion of two fists. Um, increase also extra virgin olive oil is wonderful for anti-inflammatory properties um, and your legumes because if we can swap out some of those um, you know saturated fats like red meats um, and chicken things like that with more plant-based proteins so your chickpeas lentils and beans and things like nuts and seeds as well that's definitely going to help and then if you're struggling with constipation and diarrhea around this time I would definitely recommend looking at the kinds of fiber that you have in your diet. So we have two different types of fiber called soluble and your insoluble. And they've got another type called resistant starch. So I'll talk about all of these. Um, and I'll use an apple to explain this. So the skin around the apple is what we call the insoluble fiber. It does not dissolve in water. And the flesh on the inside of the apple is your soluble fiber. So it will dissolve in water. The soluble fiber, um, it tends to gel, right? It, it, it attracts water. So it's going to slow things down in your gut. It's going to attract the water in there, hold on to it, create a nice gel-like structure. And then it's going to move nice and slowly through your bowel. So it's going to slow down the transit or the motility of your gut. And um, it's also really good for lowering blood sugar levels. And so by lowering our blood sugar levels, we reduce insulin resistance um, and that's going to have a greater effect on our overall hormone balance. Then um, for constipation, we'd recommend having more of your insoluble fibers. So that roughage, think of, um, you know, a celery stick when you crack it right, you know, grab a stick of it and try and crack it with two of your hands on either side. And you're going to get that stringy stuff poking around. Um, it's quite tough and hard. And so that roughage is going to move through your bowel and help things move a little bit quicker. So therefore preventing constipation. Now, our third type of fiber is resistant starches. And you can find this in things like a slightly green banana, um, in cooked and cooled pasta, potato, rice, and legumes. And it's quite a special type of fiber because it's the food that our bacteria like to eat. So the more we have of these resistant starches in our diet, the more of the preferred food source is in our gut for our good bacteria to eat. And those wonderful bacteria go on to make short chain fatty acids, reduce inflammation um, and essentially help us with our hormone balance. So they're a really special type of fiber. And just generally, I'd like to make the comment that avoid your high protein diets, avoid your high fat diets, um, because this is going to encourage um, the types of bacteria that live in your gut that like to digest proteins and fats. And this in the literature is not so good for health. So they tend to make metabolites um, that you know increase our risk of colon cancer and create more inflammation in our body. So I definitely don't recommend that you're taking excessive amounts of protein powders. Um, I do see it a lot, especially here in Australia. We have such a high protein diet and it's so unnecessary. Um, better to actually be getting it from your foods, um, particularly from plant sources of protein as opposed to animal sources. So going for your nuts and your seeds, tofu and beans and lentils. 
And then don't forget, finally, I'll just mention again, don't forget those stress management techniques to help improve that gut-brain connection, the yoga, the Tai Chi, and that diaphragmatic breathing I spoke about. If you want to head back to episode number five to go and um, learn a bit more about that. Now, before I wrap up for the day, I just wanted to let you all know about um, a five-day challenge that I recently created and um, put out on my Instagram and my website. It's called Beat the Endo Bloat Five-Day Challenge. And I designed this with um, in my endometriosis clients in mind and helping them with reducing their bloating. Uh, but for anybody that experiences bloating, particularly around that time of the month, this challenge is going to be really great for you as well. The strategies that I've got in there are a combination of some of the ones I've talked about today and also combining um, a few little FODMAP tricks. And if you haven't heard of FODMAP before, I'll be talking about it a lot more in that IBS episode coming up very soon. Um, but I've essentially combined some really great science-backed strategies around bloating into a five-day challenge. So if you get bloating around that time of the month, whether you have endo, IBS, or you don't have either, but you do notice these changes around your menstrual cycle, um, head over to um, our show notes. I'm going to put the link in there to my website so that you can download that so just to do a little recap of what I spoke about today, we started off by exploring that relationship between the gut and our hormones. Um, we talked about an, that interplay between stress, hormones, and then the brain and how then the gut microbiome, that bacterial life living in our large intestine, um, if it's out of balance, how it can um, cause an excess amount of estrogen levels in the body. I then briefly touched on endometriosis and some of the red flag symptoms to look out for if you're concerned that your symptoms around the time of the month, your gut symptoms might in fact be endometriosis. And then I finished on some tips to improve your bowels around that time of the month. Um, so have a go at those. And if you've got some feedback about how it's improved your bowels, reach out to me on Instagram at endometriosis.dietitian. I love hearing from you guys. And if you have other suggestions for future episodes, um, more things that you'd like to hear about, please reach out and let me know. Um, as I said in the beginning of the episode today, um, I had this question come from one of my Instagram followers. So if there's something that you want to know more about, reach out and I will do my best to turn it into a podcast episode for you. So that's it. Until next time, we'll see you in episode number 14. Thank you so much for listening. We're really grateful for the time you spent with us and can't wait to do it again. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook and leave us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.